It's wonderful to be continuing in our season of Advent, which is a season of waiting. It's a season of adventure. It's a season of expectation, which we can have some competing feelings about, right? Because if we keep our expectations low, then we're never disappointed. But then if you don't expect anything, then you never get to appreciate your expectations being fulfilled. So it's interesting that for as joyful and as loud and as celebratory as Christmas Day is, Advent is a time of wrestling with all of these expectations, of going along on the adventure, of seeing where it is that we can reflect within ourselves that will bring that fuller experience of Christmas Day and of Christ's living in the world, not just to our lives and to the people that we know, but to the world around us. So uh, throughout Advent, Advent, we are going to be looking at Isaiah 40. We started that last week. We're continuing it this week. So this week we're looking at verses 6 through 11. And you'll remember, I think that Tom talked about this last week, that Advent, uh, Isaiah was written in sort of like three acts. And this passage comes from the beginning of the second act in Isaiah. And this is one where there's just a lot of depression. There's a lot of sadness. They're in exile. They don't know what they're doing. There's no hope, right? So this is the context that Isaiah is speaking into. Listen to his, to his words. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their consistency is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, and say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the limbs in his arms and carry them, not the limbs, the lambs. He will carry the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother's sheep. That took a grim turn there, didn't it, with him carrying the limbs. Friends, this is God's word for us to speak hope into our hearts, just as it has spoken hope to so many generations I invite you to join me as we pray. God, we are grateful for the word that is eternal. And it's that word that we want to hear. Not just the human mutterings that we share, but your voice of truth and of hope, of peace and joy for our world today. Please speak through me that your joy might be known. And be impressed upon us to carry into this week. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at our scripture for a little bit. Because in our scripture, God doesn't ask, God commands. That opening line, cry out. It's an imperative. If Isaiah wanted an option, to stay quiet, or if he wanted an option to gently walk away, or maybe he would have preferred to have spoken.
spoken his words in maybe just a more dignified tone, then he was in for a world of disappointment. Because none of those options were on the table, and we know that from the very first word. Shout! In fact, that word, that directive is so urgent, it's so clear, it is so pressing, that Isaiah shout! That he is given that direction, that imperative, even before Isaiah knows what he's going to say. So he says, what am I to cry out? And the words that he is given to say are words that he has known to be true, but he's never really enjoyed speaking out loud. They're words of fleeting impermanence, of human brokenness, of the truth that humans are not gods, but a part of creation. Isaiah says, these people are nothing but grass. Their love is fragile as wildflowers. They wither and fade if God so much as puffs on them. The fickle nature of our humanity is laid out in harsh metaphor. Nothing about us is lasting. Our commitment withers. Our love withers. Our body withers. Nothing about us is lasting, least of all, our lives. So as Isaiah speaks to this nation that was just flattened by disaster, ripped away from that way that they have lived and the life that they had always known, ripped away from their home, only left with a promise that it's going to be generations before they are allowed to return to anything that feels familiar to them. They all know that what Isaiah is speaking here is true. Their own intergenerational experience of exile, it's demonstrated to them that God doesn't care whether they live or die. Aren't these people, Isaiah says, just so much grass? But that's not really the truth. Those feelings that they had, that God doesn't care if they live or die. One commentator notes that the focus of this poem quickly turns from the people who wither to the God who delivers. Just as God commanded Isaiah to speak of humanity's impermanence, God then commands Isaiah to proclaim God's magnificence. Humans are fragile, he says, but God is powerful. Human love has strayed, he says, but God's love has stayed true. As the people who were living in this humiliating exile, they know that they are no more than these blades of grass that are to be crushed by the warrior glowing into glory. They just saw it happen. But then it turns out that the divine warrior, with arms outstretched to slay the enemy, instead bends down and scoops up the little lambs to hold them close to his chest. You see, my friends, our story and God's story have to be told together in order for God's glory to be known. Our fragility is what provides the context for God's stability. We cannot truly cry out about who God is if we don't also shout 
that truth alongside our own, that we are fickle and that we are finite, and that for all of our dreams and ambitions that we possess, it can be only a matter of moments that ends our time here on earth. God's pattern that he gave to Isaiah is a pattern for us too. If we want to be talking about the glory of God, then we need to tell that story alongside our own. Our fragility provides the context for God's stability. Perhaps that's why many of us in the church are not that comfortable when it comes to speaking about God, particularly when it comes to speaking about God to people outside of our community of faith. I don't want you to misunderstand me here because I think that there are a lot of people in our society today who love telling us about God, about what God thinks and about what God wants and about how God's going to judge you if you make this choice. We have a lot of people in our society who love telling us about God, and Scripture has a lot of stories about the kind of people who like to speak about God and yet rarely speak of God, the Pharisees, for starters. Speaking on behalf of God is not what I'm talking about, because when we speak on behalf of God, we're fooling ourselves into thinking that we know God's mind, that we ourselves are God's. What I'm talking about is speaking of God, of how God has scooped us up and held us close, about of when God has met us in our vulnerability and in our loneliness or in our despair, of when we personally have witnessed God act on that imperative of comfort, comfort my people. It can be really hard for us to speak of God because to speak of God is to also speak of our weakness. To talk about where God has been strong is to betray where we have been weak. Over the last couple of weeks in our staff meetings, we have been speaking a little bit about this, about how we all have stories of God speaking to us in a way that's meaningful, in a way that feels very individual and attentive. We all have stories like that, but we don't tend to share them. Because to share those stories, it feels a little too personal. It feels like we're exposing ourselves to vulnerability, and not to mention that sometimes it feels like we're exposing our sanity. But as we have been talking about it over the last couple of weeks, we've also been sharing some of those stories that we have with one another, the stories that we have of God being in our life and God speaking to us, connecting with us. We've been sharing those stories with one another and, and sharing those stories with people outside in different parts of our lives as well. For instance, I have this friend who told me about this deep regret that she lived with for years and years. She was regretful for the various choices that she had made. She had made some choices that had not only affected her life and made her life painful and lonely, but it had also affected the lives of those who were closest to her. So she told me about this time that in that moment of deep regret, she was standing crying over her kitchen sink. And as she cried, a hummingbird 
flew outside of the window across from her. And the bird hovered right in front of her, right at the height of her face, and it just lingered there. When she looked up, it stayed there, hovering, not moving, not wavering at all. And as she cried, the bird stayed there until she ran out of tears. And she said to me that in that moment, she couldn't understand why, but she just knew that God had forgiven her and that that forgiveness had been lasting in her heart since that day with the hummingbird years ago, never repeated again. It was a story that showed God's personal connection with her, but it's a story that I only heard once and I've never forgotten. I have some of those God stories myself, although I don't often tell them to people, which seems counterintuitive given my profession. For instance, one of my very first experiences with Christianity was when I attended camp as a teenager with my friend up here at Forest Home, just in the mountains near Ukaipa. And I was really excited to go because I had never been to a sleepaway camp before. I was going to be there for a whole week, but... I wasn't really sure about the whole God thing. The truth was that I doubted for a really long time. Doubt was my constant companion even after I had become a Christian. I still struggled with doubt for years and years. So anyway, this is at the beginning. So each day at camp, we were forced to take 30 minutes of solo time where They gave you this little devotional book and you had to sit quietly by yourself and you had to read that devotional book. Or if you weren't going to read it, you just couldn't bother anybody else. And so I had taken my devotional book and I had gone into the middle of this field that was on the property. I could see that there were some other people, individuals sitting off at a distance, but there was no one nearby. And I opened that book and I read the first sentence. And the first sentence was a passage, a piece of scripture that comes from the gospel of John. It's the words of Jesus himself who said, even the demons tremble and believe. And right then the ground started to tremble as a recent aftershock from an earthquake that we had. My heart was pounding. I frantically looked around to see if any of the people off in the distance were reacting, if they noticed, if they were acting at all like me, but I couldn't see anyone else moving. And I have to tell you, I know of all the logical events that are behind that moment happening. I remembered the earthquake. I knew it was an aftershock. It totally was just a coincidence. But I have to tell you that the timing of that coincidence has never escaped my memory. I don't care how much science you throw at me. I know, and you won't convince me otherwise, that God was reaching to me in that moment, scooping me up and bringing me close. Friends, what is your God story? I know that every person in this room probably has one. Maybe we have come to question it. Maybe we think in our fickle nature and our emotions and all of that stuff that whatever that thing is that happened is not reliable for us to lean on in terms of our faith. But I bet that there is a story that you have in your heart that you know 
happen from God reaching out to speak to you. What is your God story? What has God given you to hold within your heart that can bring good news and hope to someone else's heart, like my friend's story has to me? Our scripture for today, it says, you are the preacher of good news. It says, raise your voice, make it good and loud, speak loud and clear. Don't be timid. Tell the cities, look, your God, look at him. God is the master who comes into power, ready to go into action. My friends, as we continue in this season of Advent, telling this good news about the story of Jesus' birth, can we also make a commitment to tell our own stories alongside it? Can we also take the risk of sharing that story of peace or of joy or of hope or of love that stays grounded in our heart? Can we try to share that with somebody else this week? Can we talk about those stories that show God hovering alongside us in our pain? The stories of God interrupting our doubt unexpectedly. Friends, this Advent, what story do you have that God has put in your heart to bring hope to the people around you?